You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com. Well, let's pray. Father, thanks for our time in worship this evening. God, it's been so good to sing songs about your mercy and your grace and your love. Uh, to remember the, the cross of Christ and to remember that we are freed and redeemed, that we are called sons and daughters of God because of the work that you did at the cross, Jesus. Father, thank you for sending your spirit to, um, to redeem us, uh, to change us, to transform us, to give us new hearts, um, to help us to grow in holiness. God, thank you for the privilege that it is to come and to worship you together with, with other believers. And God, as we um, transition into a time of the preaching of your word, God, I pray that your word would be clear to us. I pray that your spirit would uh, open our hearts, that you would encourage and challenge us and remind us of your love. Remind us of the great sacrifice that you made at that cross, that we who lived as enemies of yours could come to you, could kneel in front of you, profess our faith in the work of your son at the cross, and then become your sons and daughters and then live in the presence of our uh, Abba Father. So God, I just pray that you would help our time in the scriptures to be clear, help our hearts to be open to you. Lord, we love you and we bless you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Let's just give the Lord a round of applause. And you guys may be seated. May be seated. And kids, uh, I think we'll dismiss the kids now. So if there's kids kindergarten through uh, fifth grade, uh, I think you get to go with Heather today. Heather's over there in the corner. You all know her. Um, let's give Heather and her team a round of applause for taking care of our kids every week. Let's do that. And if you would, grab your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Luke. We're going to be in Luke chapter 18 this evening. Luke chapter 18. Who's excited to dive back into the Gospel of Luke again? So we've been in the Gospel of Luke for coming up on three years here pretty soon. Excited for that. So if, uh, if you haven't caught all the messages in this series and uh, you're looking, back, looking to go back and catch up on some, go to our website. You can find them there, uh, as Eric said earlier. Tyler, you're going to make it down this week? You're going to be all right? Look at this guy go. Somebody give Tyler a round of applause, too. Like... <laughs> brag on my boy Tyler for a minute. Blind dude plays drums better than most people that can see and then makes it up and down the stairs all by himself. Every week gets lost once a year, roughly. That was maybe three times. I don't know. Who's counting? Who's counting? I mean, it's just good. It was good to, uh, it's good to be together. Tyler, we love you. We love you a lot. Uh, so stoked to get back into the Gospel of Luke uh, with you guys this week. Before we go there, just want to make, just want to highlight a couple of announcements. I know Eric touched on them earlier. Our Gospel communities will kick back off again. So our Tuesday night, our Wednesday night, our Wednesday morning. Wednesday morning, I think, is just going to be confined to ladies. Okay, so ready to go, ladies. So we're, we're just going to, we're going to confine that Wednesday morning one to ladies. And uh, I think my wife, Christy, here, um, you all know her. She will um, uh, be leading that. So if you have questions about 
about what that's going to be like, uh, what's going to happen, then get a hold of her. Otherwise, uh, then the Tuesday nights uh, falls in Dave's camp over here. So Dave will be leading that. And then uh, Wednesday nights, Brandon, who is not with us this evening because he's out shooting guns. And I'm just grateful that he gets to do that. Wish I could be with him. I'm sure there's a few of us that'd like to be with him and blow some stuff up. It'd be fun. Uh, Brandon will be leading that uh, Wednesday night one again. And um, as Eric made mention of, uh, we'll be kicking that off the week of September 4th. And so we like to say it's, it's our mission, our vision saying that we are a gospel-centered church family of gospel communities, meaning this is not all there is to how we do life as a church. Um, the way that we do life as a church is in many gospel communities um, that meet throughout the week. And our hope is that in those gospel communities, your needs will be cared for by the community uh, and that we will shoulder that load together as a family, grow together in the gospel, learn how to reach out and serve our community together, as well as um, just be together in, in on those evenings and share life together. And so the cool thing that we're going to be doing that week of September 4th is uh, all three of those gospel communities should be finding a way to either do a barbecue or a potluck or just simply sitting down and grabbing dinner together, whatever that may look like, um, to catch up on life after the long summer is over. And our hope is that would just be a good relational way for you to dig back into um, kind of like, hey, how are you? Haven't seen you all summer kind of thing. And, and then uh, the week following that, then we're going to dive into a, a, a study. And the first study we're going to do for the first nine, 10 weeks is going to be called the Gospel-Centered Life. I'm sorry, the Gospel-Centered Community, which will help us understand what it means to live in a community that is, um, that is affected and influenced uh, by the gospel so that the gospel of Jesus Christ might be on display for the watching world around us and especially a blessing for the city around us. And so that'll be a nine-week study and, and kind of interspersed throughout there. There's a calendar in the back that you can look at. Interspersed throughout there every few weeks, we're asking that each gospel community uh, would do like a game night together or, or do an outreach together, some sort of a service project in the community. We're going to leave that on each gospel community to decide what that may look like. You may go serve some food down at Crossroads um, for lunch or for dinner maybe. Um, you could go over to um, Horizons Recovery here in town, maybe help uh, uh, clean up some yards or something like that, or maybe help lead a Bible study on a Saturday. You could do a barbecue there for the people that are staying there. Uh, there are multiple different ways that our gospel communities could be serving uh, in our community. We just want to put that back on our gospel communities and say, go do this. And then we have some resources that could help you. Uh, and so uh, a kind of a mixture of study uh, in, in, in that study, as well as some game nights and relational nights, go bowling, play card games, whatever that may be, and, and do barbecues together, as well as do outreaches throughout the year. And so we're hoping that will, that will just build a nice blend of relationship and community as you guys do life together. So stoked for that. That'll be the first study is gospel-centered community. The next study we'll do when that one's over will be the gospel-centered life, which will take the gospel and apply it to you as a as an individual within community. You'll be able to chop that up together each week. And then the final study we'll do over the course of the next nine months or so uh, will be called a gospel. It's called gospel recovery, which will help with some of those places of our lives where we struggle with maybe some addictions. And some of you may say, well, I'm not sure if I struggle with addiction. And I can just tell you that even just overspending could be um, could be tackled from an addictions mindset. And so we really, and, and so we really just want to resource our church family well to grow in these areas. And so just praying that you all would um, lean into that. So that's one, gospel communities. Number two, uh, Porterbrook Discipleship. We're kicking that off uh, also the week of September 4th. Uh, there is a page in the back that will describe what Porterbrook Discipleship is. But in a nutshell, what it is, is they are, they are courses designed for you to study through on your own uh, over a nine 
seven-week period, ten-week period, really, and every five weeks, we will get together for a seminar day and we'll bring in a special guest speaker. So right now I have slotted some of you guys. Uh, I've met Larry Molman. Larry Molman will come in and do one of those seminar days. Dale Phillips will come in and do one of those seminar days. Mike Sander, whom I know all of you love, will come in and do one of those. I talked to Larry Harvey from First Baptist here. He agreed as well. And I also talked to Jack over in uh, Caro, one of our advisory board members. Uh, he agreed to come in. We're going to have six different seminar days and six different dudes. I think the other guy I left off is Jake Bachman. Some of you guys have been here when Jake has preached. Uh, Jake will do a really good job. <clears throat> I'm, I'm excited to have these guys come in. We'll do those on a Saturday from like 9 in the morning to 1 o'clock. We're going to serve, serve a free meal. My hope is to have a families in our church adopt one of those seminar days and provide the meals. Um, and then what we'll do is we'll just study through those things. Some of you will have to do some essays and some presentations and so on and so forth. It's going to be fun. It's going to be good. My prayer is over the next nine months, our hope is that this just really builds up our church family in the way that we grow in gospel depth, family health, and missional diversity. And so I just pray that everybody here would jump in and engage in that. The courses for all three of those courses throughout the year, one of the, one of the courses is gospel change, the other is gospel relationships, and the other one is keeping it missional. Those three courses will cost you $45. And they're normally a $50 course each, and normally $150. Um, because we're an Acts 29 member church, we get those at a discount rate. So that's a huge blessing. Uh, helps cover some of the costs. If money is an issue for you on this, do not let that be an issue. We'd like you to at least pitch in a little bit, whether that be five bucks or 10 bucks. But do not let money be the reason that you do not enroll in this. Um, and the person you want to talk to, to to get enrolled is Jennifer. She's not here tonight because she's got a massive headache, so she's staying home. And taking some ibuprofen, but this week and next week, the next couple of weeks here, that enrollment is open. So please contact her, give her a phone call, go to our website. There's a webpage for this. So you can find her uh, email address. You can email her and get a hold of her. Make sure you get enrolled in that thing before we get to kicking off. Make sense? That was a big mouthful, right? You guys caught it all, right? You got it all. You're not going to forget. Abe's like right here in my head. So we're good, good to go. I also, um, I almost, I, Abe, I was going to say this to you earlier, but I wanted to save it because there was a bunch of people out there. Um, I just want to give you an update on our fundraising efforts. Uh, you guys know that a big piece of who we are as a church plant means that uh, as, a, as a young and small church, uh, there's no way we can afford our entire budget. Right? There's no way that we can cover by the people that are in this room and we know who's missing and all that. We, there's no way we can cover that $7,000 a month. Well, obviously we could because God is miraculous. He can do whatever he wants, right? Um, yet, we also know just trending the last couple of years, um, our church family covers a certain part of the budget, and then I fundraise the rest of that like a missionary outside of here, and I just wanted to give you kind of an update on where we're at. Like, the way that it looks for the rest of the year, our church family will probably fund roughly 30000 of our um, church budget, which is nearly, nearly half. Like, we're about $10,000 off from 50% funded internally. Make sense? That's a huge growth thing. Over last year, it was like twenty grand. And so the Lord has done something really good. Let's give him a round of applause for doing that. Okay. Make sure we give that credit where that's due. Because for him to take our small church family from a 20000 internal giving to thirty in a year, um, given the young church plant that we are, that, that's miraculous. So then the other, the other uh, roughly $56,000, $53,000, whatever that math comes out to, then we raise that externally, right? And so part of my job and part of what I do each week is spend time on the phone with people and other churches who might buy into the vision of planting a church that becomes sustainable on its own, right? Um, and so, uh, so the Lord has been really good to lead us into some relationships. 
relationships. And this last week I had a phone call with a church in Kansas City. I think I'll say that much. I think that's, I think that's safe to say. Um, this church in Kansas City that's part of our Acts 29 network. They get the vision of church planting because 10 years ago they were a group of six just like we were four years ago. Um, and so I've been cultivating a relationship with them and just asked them boldly. Um, and, and we spent a couple of times on the phone. This last week, long story short, then they called me and they're going to give us $18,000. $18,000. Um, and and that, that along with the, along with the church in Wichita, another good friend of ours who is part of our network, I think they're sending us roughly, I, I think between three and four or between four and five grand. And so the Lord has just been very, very faithful. One of the things that, that, uh, that the church in Kansas City said was that uh, they know that we have a need for a van. And Abe, I know you and I were talking about this this week. That's why I was bringing it up to you earlier. Um, and they, they'd like our leadership teams to think about maybe an amount from that chunk that we could put into a reserve account. And then maybe we would ask our church family to kind of give over and above. Like whatever you're giving for tithe and offer, maybe give over and above for a few months uh, into that van fund uh, until those dollars are matched so that we could then go out and purchase our own van and then no longer have to borrow one. So maybe praying and thinking about that, pray for our leadership teams as we make a decision on how much to set aside. We want to be faithful with that amount of money. Um, and just, just want to share that with you because I just think that's a real joyous thing. The Lord has provided. I, I was speechless, was absolutely shocked when they said they were giving us that amount. And so, um, um, yeah, yeah. Let's just pause now, um, even, and just give the Lord thanks for that, and, uh, and then we'll dive into the Word. Um, Father, thank you for um, just the opportunity to stand in front of, um, front of my church family and, and, um, and, and just cast vision for um, where we're trying to head this fall in terms of gospel communities and Porterbrook discipleship, and, and thank you for the gift of financial provision. God, thank you for the, the numerous churches and individuals who have um, invested so sacrificially and so generously in, um, in the work of planting the gospel here. Lord, we know that this is your work and we know this is a work of your spirit and we know that we are utterly and completely helpless without you. And so God, we just stand in front of you humbled and, uh, and amazed at your provision. And God, we just ask for those churches and, and many individuals, people within this church and people outside of this church family who have so sacrificially invested, God, we just pray a blessing, a hedge of protection over them uh, and, and just provision for them. God, we just pray that you would <clears throat> just give them um, immense joy as they give that way because we know, God, that you, <clears throat> you gave your son and you were full of joy to give your son on our behalf that we could be saved. So God, I just pray that, that you would just enrich um, those people who have given and those churches who, has, who have given as well. Enrich their ministry, Lord God, and provide for them as well. And thank you, Lord God, for providing for our needs. So God, we thank you. We bless you. Ask that you'd be with us as we uh, um, study the word. Uh, ask, that, ask that you would help me to be faithful uh, to your word and faithful to the people in front of me. Um, so God, we just pray those things. Pray that you would be honored and glorified in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. So, Luke chapter 18, verses 28 through 34. Luke chapter 18, verses 28 through 34. Luke writes this. And Peter said, See, we left our homes and followed you. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers, or parents, or children, for the sake of the kingdom of God, who will not receive many times more in this time, 
and in the age to come eternal life. And taking the twelve, he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles, and we mocked, and shamefully treated, and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him, and on the third day he will rise. But they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what was said. So Philip Ryken uh, began his commentary on this passage by saying this. He said, there are times in life when even the strongest Christians wonder whether it's really worth it to follow Jesus. Once you make a total life commitment to Christ, there are certain commands you are committed to obey, certain pleasures you choose to forego, and certain sacrifices that you are compelled to make. Sometimes it is so hard to follow Jesus that it is tempting to wonder whether it is really worth all the trouble. Maybe life is better with Jesus, but it doesn't always seem that way. Riken goes on to ask some compelling questions. Listen to these questions. Is it worth it to follow Jesus when doing the right thing makes you unpopular at school? Or when people who do not have the same moral scruples are getting ahead of you in business? Is it worth it to follow Jesus when serving God takes you away from your family? Or when you have to say no to a romantic relationship that is hindering your growth and godliness? It is, is, it, is it worth it to follow Jesus when sinners seem to have all the fun or when God, what God wants for you is not the same thing that you want for you? This is the question posed by every hard obedience. Is Jesus worth it or not? I just want you to think of this question. This question, is Jesus worth it or not? This is an investment question in reality. It's an investment question. And Peter asks this question about investment in verse 28. When Peter says, see, we have left our homes and followed you. There is an implication of this question. This question of the worth of following Jesus. Or, or the return on the investment of following Jesus. If you examine the context surrounding this passage that we are studying, you might, you might remember that Jesus has just finished speaking and, and really preaching, but really speaking with a wealthy man on what it looks like for a wealthy person to become part of the kingdom of God. What Jesus teaches us in these preceding verses is that it is absolutely impossible to earn your way into heaven. You cannot earn your way into the kingdom of God by your obedience or by your sacrifice. But, but to be a part of the kingdom of God or to follow Christ means to be willing to leave everything behind to follow him. The natural question for Jesus' listeners in this passage, and the natural question for us to ask then is this, is it really worth it to follow you, Jesus? 
It's a hard question to ask because we feel like maybe somehow if we go there and ask this question, that maybe Jesus will be waiting with a big spanking spoon to thump us upside the head when we ask this question. Like, kind of a stupid question is that, right? But that's, that's not the way Jesus reacts or responds. That may be the, the way we respond as parents, or we may be the way that our parents have responded to us when we ask questions that are vulnerable and transparent this way. But when Peter essentially asks this question, he's asking, Jesus, is it, is it, is it really worth it to follow you? When Peter asked this question, I, I imagine that he remembered when, when Jesus called his disciples. You think about this for a minute. When, when did Jesus call you to follow him? When, when did he call you? When, when did you first hear the message of the gospel? And put yourself in Peter's shoes. I imagine that he's remembering the first time that he met Jesus and Jesus called him and called his disciples to follow him in Luke 5, 11. Which tells us that they left everything to follow him. They left everything to follow him and to become fishers of men. And now, now in the face of what Jesus says to this wealthy man and, and to the crowds who, who were wondering about the impossibility of salvation, Peter is wondering, Peter is wondering if this investment in following Jesus is a sound investment. And if the return on his investment would make it worthwhile, if you cross-reference with Matthew, you'll actually see explicitly Peter asking this question. It's implied in Luke. It's explicit in Matthew. When you put the two together, you get this full picture. Peter is wondering, is it worth it to follow you, Jesus? And Jesus' answer to Peter's question is like a beautiful promise. It's like the most beautiful promise that you could ever hear from someone. It's worth it. It's worth it to give up everything to follow Jesus because the return on your investment of following Him is a beautiful promise of infinite and immeasurable value. It's, it's of in, in infinite and in immeasurable value, this beautiful promise from Jesus. J.C. Ryle, commenting on this, said that if we would be willing to give up our lives and leave anything and everything behind to follow Christ, then we will, listen, we will find in Christ a full equivalent for anything that we are obliged to give up for Christ's sake. We will find such peace and hope and joy and comfort and rest, rest in communion with the Father and the Son. We'll find so much of this that, that our losses shall be more than counterbalanced by our gains. Hmm. In short, the Lord Jesus Christ shall be more to us, more to you and to me than property or relatives or friends. Amen, right? Amen. The cost of following Jesus is 
counterbalanced by this beautiful promise that when we leave everything and anything behind to follow him, we will receive in return on our investment. And, and the return that we receive is Christ himself, both now and in eternity. That's what you and I look forward to. There's, there's no other goal. There's no other pursuit. There's no other gain that you or I could desire or long for that comes anywhere close to, to Jesus himself. The answer to Peter's question and the answer to your question and the answer to my question is yes, it is worth it to follow Jesus. Why? Because we receive Christ himself. Christ is better than anything else that you or I could pursue. Ha. Oh, isn't that good? Man. Oh, it's good. This is why Jesus responds to Peter's question. Man, I've pursued so many things in my life. Oh, so many things. So many things that neither drug, nor drink, nor new person in my bed, nor, nor new relationship could ever suffice, right? Not even the planting of a church or the, or the friendships that you gain, even in the body of Christ, come anywhere close to what you gain in Christ. Man, if you would be willing to leave it all behind, you would get Jesus. Jesus is all you or I need. Is it worth it to follow him? Yes, it's worth the cost. And yes, it costs us a lot sometimes. It will cost you the pursuit of personal possessions. It will cost you relationships to follow Christ. Christ, Jesus, makes it worth it. Amen. Amen. <laughs> This is why Jesus responds to Peter's question with this beautiful promise. It's beautiful. It's just truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this life and in the age to come eternal life. And this beautiful promise that Jesus gives us here is that when we invest ourselves in the kingdom of God to the extent that we willingly resist our longings for material possessions. When we invest ourselves in the kingdom of God to the extent that we willingly uh, resist our longings for material possessions and reject even the closest of relationships that threaten our relationship with Jesus, we can rest assured. You can have assurance you can be sure, which is what Luke's gospel is all about. When Luke starts his gospel in chapter 1, he says, I want you to be sure. I want you to be certain that what I'm writing to you, what you've heard about Jesus is true. You can hold on to this. You can hold fast to this. When you leave behind 
And when you resist and reject those things which become between you and walking in relationship with Christ and growing in holiness, you can rest assured that the return on your investment will be worth it. Many times more, he says, many times more in this time and in the age to come. This is multiplication. This is multiplication many times more in this age, right now, here and now. You can taste the blessings of God in Christ through the message of the gospel. You can be free from sin, not just free from the penalty like fire insurance so you get to heaven, but you can be free from the power of sin which holds you in bondage. You can be set free completely to live a life of freedom and holiness as you grow in the gospel. This is what it means to have Jesus now. It's to be transformed now, right? It's to be changed now. And it's to be continuing to be changed as we follow hard after Him. Many times more in this time, and not only now, but also in the age to come. We look forward to the promise of heaven. This is not heaven. (laughs) Doesn't it feel good to... To know that. To know that even though you thought that thing or that person you were pursuing yesterday, and you thought that was heaven, and you came to your senses and realized, hey, I'm not in heaven yet. But there is a heaven that you and I are going to. And in that place, we will be in the presence of Christ in all His fullness. No more tear, although I think there may be some tears. I think there may be tears of joy. There will be no more tears, no more mourning, no more death, no more pain. No more. Because why? Because then in heaven we will taste the fullness of the work of Christ at the cross when he cried out, it is finished. Right? It's done. It's complete. You and I get to walk in the possession of Christ. We get to possess Christ as our Jesus, as He possesses us as His sons and daughters through faith, through faith, both now and later. It's like a really good piece of candy, only better. Huh? I think there's a now and later candy, isn't there? How's that for a bunny trail? <laughs> What we receive by leaving everything behind to follow Christ is this beautiful promise of the very presence of Christ himself. But this beautiful promise is a costly gift. It came at a cost. Jesus is a very costly gift. Christ himself is the motivation for you and I. He is the motivation for you and I to leave it all behind. He is the motivation. It's the motivation for us to leave it all behind and follow Him. Why? Think about this. We were the motivation for Him to leave it all behind. Weren't we? We were the motivation for Him to leave it all behind and come and walk a path so that we could be saved and healed and transformed and restored and reconciled and made right we were that motivation for him so he becomes that motivation for us (coughs) Jesus says see see we are going up to Jerusalem 
And everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over the Gentiles, will be mocked, shamefully treated, and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him. On the third day, he will rise. Man, can you see? Can you see the costly gift that God was willing to generously invest on our behalf, on your behalf, on my behalf, so that we would have the opportunity to leave everything behind just as he did so that we could follow Christ? Can you, can you see the costly gift of God in Christ Jesus? You get this picture in your head. I studied Riken's commentary again on this passage. He reminded me that in, in Luke chapter 9, Jesus said that he would suffer many things at the hands of the Jewish leaders and then be killed and that he would be delivered into the hands of sinful men. And then later in Luke chapter 13, Jesus said that as a prophet, he would actually perish in Jerusalem. Can you imagine walking with Jesus, having him repeat this over and over again to you, telling you, this is what's ahead of us. This is what's ahead of me. This is what's about to happen. Now in chapter 18, when Jesus says that they're held to Jerusalem, that everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished, he is literally interpreting all of the Old Testament writings, all of the Old Testament prophets while using himself as the hermeneutic or the interpretive tool, you might say. He's using himself as that interpretive tool. In other words, Jesus himself was a Christ-centered theologian. How about that? Jesus himself was a Christ-centered theologian. As he read the scriptures, and as he prophesied, and as he taught, and as he preached, he himself was the center of the message. And he interpreted all those things through himself, and so did others throughout the scriptures. Jesus knew the immense costliness of giving himself as a ransom for all of mankind. Jesus knew his time was coming. Listen. He knew his time was coming. He knew that God's word about his sacrifice could not be sidestepped or hidden from or ignored or traded in. He knew this. He knew that he would be brutalized not only by strangers, but by his own people. Not only by people he didn't know, but by the people that he knew the most. You think of his disciple Judas, who betrayed him. And you think of the backroom conversations, the babbling that took place between Judas and the Jewish leaders and other leaders and other people who hated him. Yet Jesus knew this. Jesus still served Judas, the traitor. Jesus still loved Judas, the one who stabbed him in the back. So Jesus did why? As he came for one single purpose, to give his life as a ransom so that sinful people could be saved and found and transformed and changed and so that the message of the gospel could go forth so that the church could grow and then build itself up so that Christ could be honored so that our Father in heaven could be glorified in all of these saints. He knew. He knew he would be mocked. 
He knew he would be treated shamefully in front of everyone. He knew he had enemies who were going to spit on him. He knew that his enemies would shackle him in front of the entire watching world and beat him to within an inch of his life. He knew this. He knew that he would be murdered publicly while hanging naked on a cross for all to observe the horror and the shame and the loneliness of his death. He also knew. He also knew this. He also knew that he would rise on the third day publicly beating the shame, publicly beating your shame, publicly beating your guilt for your sin, publicly silencing the voice of Satan, publicly doing this so that you and I could walk in freedom, victoriously defying the horror of death that we all will face on account of our sin. He did this for you and I, and he knew it was going to happen, and he walked there willingly, joyfully, lovingly. He triumphed over his enemies once and for all at the cross and in the tomb. Jesus knew the costliness of his gift on our behalf because he counted the worth. Listen, listen. There's some of you that are sitting here, you don't think you were worthy. But Jesus thought you were worth it. He thought you were worth it. And he went there. You are worth it. You are valuable. Why? Because Jesus said so. Not because I say so. Not because somebody else says so. Because Jesus said so. And because of what he did. Because of what he did. That makes you worth it. He counted the worth, the value of your heart and my heart. He counted the worth and the value of every heart, every soul that belonged to every face that he has in his little book. The Lamb's book of life where your name was written before the foundations of the world. Before he created inanimate objects and before he created any of us, your name was there. And when he came, he had that book and he had that picture and he counted the value and he counted the worth, your worth, your value found in him. Not in and of yourself, but because of his work for you, in you, through you. You were worth it to Jesus. Do you understand these things? Has the truth of the costliness of the gift of God and Christ Jesus has been hidden from you in any way. Man, can you grasp the seriousness of the truth of this gospel? The gospel is not like Sunday school message that you hear one time and then put it away and, and move on to more mature things. The, the gospel is what matures us. We don't listen to the message of the cross and then move on from that. Why would Jesus say this over and over and over and over again? Because he knew that we would need to hear it over and over and over again. Be reminded of his price, his cost at the cross for us. He knew that we would be tempted to find our value somewhere else. He knew that we would be tempted to find our worth in our marriage, which is a good thing. Our relationships, which are good things. And find our worth in places that are bad, such as drugs, alcohol, sleeping around, pornography, whatever it may be. The accumulation of goods. 
as this passage speaks to, Jesus knew that we would take not only the horrible things that we know we shouldn't touch or get close to, but he knows that we would take even the good things and we would turn them into our little precious idols. And he knew only place we should place our value and our worth is in him. It's in Christ as the truth of the costliness of the gift of God in Christ Jesus has been hidden from you. Can you grasp the seriousness of the truth of the gospel? This gospel is good news. It is the smell of life to those who are being saved by it. It's the stench of death to those who are perishing and rejecting Christ. The gospel is a serious thing to grasp. And every year, you guys know, our family embarks on a family vacation. And we love it. We enjoy our time. We're privileged, blessed really to get to go to different places. Uh, be able to visit South Dakota. And uh, Lewis and I went to Yellowstone this year. And then we wound up over at uh, Harlan County Reservoir. We try to do that every year. Spend time on the lake, boats, jet skis, great food, late night games where the Italian side of our family comes out and we yell at each other and we don't curse and swear usually. Um, we, we do threaten each other and try to bribe each other, so that's probably definitely the mob side of us. <coughs> We're not really a part of the mob, it's just a really long joke that seems to go on forever and people enjoy it. So, uh, One of the high points of our vacations though, for us, I mean, it's the time that we get to spend together as a family. Um, catching up on life, uncovering what God is up to in each of our hearts, just connecting basically at the heart level, right? And inevitably in every vacation that we take, at some point a conversation comes up and, and God provides this opportunity for us um, while we're together. Provides an opportunity for us to press the button of serious important issues, maybe in regards to the worth of following Christ like we're talking about here tonight. <clears throat> Conversations usually range from all sorts of different topics to another. Um, sometimes just the seriousness of following Jesus in dating relationships. Um, sometimes it's just the seriousness of, of walking in obedience to God, um, to maybe having God-honoring attitudes, uh, to walking wisely during the college years for some of our girls that have gone off to college now. Uh, maybe sometimes to the, uh, maybe just the seriousness of hearing the voice of God um, in the scriptures. Inevitably what happens uh, every year is there comes this moment in every one of these conversations when I, I typically get the express privilege of asking whether the seriousness of what we're talking about or what we're discussing is actually sinking and hitting home. It's an important opportunity not to be missed, not to be ran from, not to be hidden from, but to ask. It's as though I get that opportunity to do everything in my power to help our family grasp the seriousness and the importance of the gospel and the worth of forsaking anything and everything to follow Jesus who forsook anything and everything to willingly walk to the cross for us. It's an awesome opportunity. And this is essentially what Jesus does in the final verses of our passage this evening. He explains the horrors of his sacrifice. 
and the immense value that he finds in us as he describes how he is going to spend himself on our behalf. But the question remains, do you understand? Do you grasp? Do you understand the seriousness of this gospel? Is the, is the weight of this gospel hidden from you? Have you grasped how serious this gospel is? The disciples did not grasp the seriousness of what Jesus was saying. Luke explains that they understood none of these things. They understood none of these things. <clears throat> the same was hidden from them. They did not grasp what was said. They did not understand that leaving it all behind to follow Jesus was worth it. Now, now to be fair, did they follow Jesus? Yes. Did they leave some things behind to follow Jesus? Yes. Yes, they did. But they did not understand the implication of the seriousness of the gospel enough to see Christ as being worthy of their wholehearted, joyful investment. But that doesn't change Jesus, does it? Doesn't change who Jesus is. Doesn't change what Jesus did. Other people's failures, other people's misunderstandings, other people's sins did not affect Jesus and the way that he came to serve you and I through the cross. Therefore, we should be willing to be motivated by the picture of Christ. If we trust in him, if we believe in him, if you place your faith in him, then we should be willing, if he calls us to walk away from anything, to leave it behind, to follow him. Whatever it costs us, it will never come close to what it costed him. Jesus saw us as being worth the investment of his very life. You, every one of you, was worth it to him. The question that remains is this. Is Jesus worth it to you? Let me pray. Father, we thank you again for your word. We thank you, Father, for the work of your son Jesus at the cross. We pray, Lord God, that you would take this message and apply it to our hearts. Help us to, help us to grasp a hold and, and, and to see and to understand and the seriousness of what you came to do. Help us not to approach this life just lazily playing around. God, help us to follow you and to see that what we gain in return is you and you alone. Or I know that there may be some here tonight that were just struggling. They walked in struggling with wondering whether this whole following you thing was worth it or not. God, I pray that you would encourage them, that you would strengthen them, and that you would paint a picture for them through this message. And by the power of your spirit, and by the power of your word, God, I pray that you would paint that picture of the investment that you made on our behalf because you saw us as worth it. You were willing to pay so much for us so that we could come to you, trust in you, 
leave everything behind and know you. God, I pray that. Pray that you bring, bring some to faith for the first time tonight through this message. I pray that you would renew the energy and the faith in others through this message. I pray, God, as we go into an extended time of communion and prayer and worship, God, I pray that you would just be honored and glorified, that you'd be made famous in our midst. Jesus, we love you. Amen. As we close tonight, There'll be someone near the front to serve you the elements of communion. If you're with us, don't have to be a member of our church. If you're with us and you're a believer, you trust in Christ, then please come and engage and take communion because this is what family members do. We feast upon Christ. We feast upon Christ because He is the one that sustains us. So as you come, do that. If you're with us and you're a believer and you're struggling with some particular sin in your life, um, that you need to ask forgiveness for, that you need to ask God to set you free from. Um, there'll be, I think Eric will be near the front to pray with you for a bit. Um, love to pray with you. If you're with us and you're not a believer and you'd like to become a believer, then please come to the front. We'd like to talk to you about that and pray with you. If you're not a believer, we'd ask that you not take communion with us because uh, it would be like a, um, it would be like a, uh, just, just an empty of ritual. We, we, we're not about empty rituals. We're glad you're here, if that's you. We're happy you're here. Um, it's okay. Uh, we just ask, we just ask you maybe you come forward and get some prayer or maybe just stay right where you're at and let the Lord kind of speak to you. Um, yeah, so, so our communion servers will be near the front. Eric will be here to pray with you. Um, thanks for being here tonight. And uh, thanks for letting me preach. Love you guys. You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com.